Hey, everyone. What's happening? It is time for reality TV wrap ups for episode two of season eight of Amazing Race Canada. And my name is Jessica Lees, and I'm here to pedal it back up in the new sound, apparently, um, with my my ever present and ever wonderful co-host, uh, the extra pickles on my Subway sandwich, Mr. Dan Heaton. Hello, Dan. Hello. Well, you know, you're just throwing out references. I was going to say that we are both virtually awesome, like the teams when they got the, the task right. So um, a lot of fun stuff to cover. I'm doing good. Um, interesting episode. You know, lots of lots of Subway. You know, maybe you want to go eat food, sandwiches and, and all that. Yep. I, I don't know if I don't know what I want more. Do I want to do I want to go for a slice or do I want to go eat fresh? <laughs> there's, there's so many options, but um, Jess, how do you feel about Team Jess nearly being down to three teams? I mean, you were I was so I was like, this is going to happen. I'm going to. Oh, man, this is going well. And John gave his. So what happened out there? And then I, my head, my head dropped. That yep. was it. So what happened out there is really John Montgomery's may be eliminated. Basically, it's Phil's, you know, just kind of like Phil does a little better. Phil will be just kind of talk to them. But mm-hmm. John's oh, what happened out there? And then we're all like, oh, yeah, all I, right. I, it is <laughs> another one of those situations where you can tell that, like, John has studied Phil, but he's bringing the wrong lessons out of it. <laughs> it's like oh i need to i need to sympathize with them when they land on the mat and understand that they know that they're eliminated and then surprise them but it it is like i i love john for so many reasons and i think i love him more because of because of the slightly less finessed way in which he introduces a non-elimination leg yeah because he's so happy for the team you can tell he just wants to be like Yes, you are still in it, but he has to act serious and be like, "So, Jess, what happened out there? That was pretty tough out there." While he's almost smiling because he's ready to be like, "Go, guys, go!" John is just um, that's John. Phil, I think, has a slight enjoyment of twisting the knife a little bit before he tells him the good news. Yeah, not to mention Phil has a poker face. I think that's what it is. I think it's that John just has no poker face and he has no chill, so he's just like. I can't wait to tell these guys it's going to make their day. They're going to be so happy. They're going to be so pumped. Oh, my God. <laughs> so what do you think of the episode overall? Well, Dan, I, I have to say, I think some of these tasks, like we are still kind of in that amazing Chamber of Commerce race territory for a good number of these tasks. But there were so many of them and they caused so much strife and they called upon so many skill sets that I really cannot be mad at this at all. Not to mention, I have a little bit of a personal connection to the region being portrayed this week. Well, what is that? I would love to hear about this, Jess. All right. So Lethbridge, Alberta is the home of the Canadian TV stations that I grew up watching as a child. Um, Lethbridge is probably a f- four to five hour drive from where I'm from. And we used to be able to pick up on the antenna. You could pick up Canadian TV and we also got a Canadian channel on our cable package. So when Canadians of a certain age reference things like Canadian heritage minutes and Mr. Dress up and I don't know, body break. Like I knew who body break was prior to season one of amazing race Canada, because I watched my fair share of Degrassi on the Canadian TV station that we used to get out of Lethbridge, Alberta. They used to call it, it was, I'm not sure why they called it this. It was like two stations, 
but the brand was two and seven Lethbridge and they would, that was how they would identify themselves. Um, and of course it was not channel two or channel seven on ours, but I digress. I have seen all of your local commercials, Lethbridge. I am well familiar with Fort whoop up. Uh, it is, it, it felt a little bit like going home. I've, I've even been there once or twice, but it's really more just the visceral memory of watching so many hours of Canadian TV as a child. So that's, yes. that's Lethbridge. Did you um, hear a lot about Alberta's Windy City when you're growing up? Was that a big thing that they used like John? They would say it on the news sometimes, like kind of the way that I facetious newscaster in New York might say, you know, something fun is coming to the Big Apple. Like yeah. I, I was aware it was the Windy City and their climate's very similar to ours where I grew up. So it doesn't surprise me. Well, excellent. I feel like now we're, you know, we're almost there where we have a Canadian on the podcast. We're really close this week, Jess. We're, we're basically asking a Canadian right now. Basically. We're actually, <laughs> we're, you know, it's, it's a region I, I've, I've been to at least. So, you know, we will get some actual Canadians in the mix eventually. But for right now, you can trust that I'm familiar with the Lethbridge area. So do you think that this presented Lethbridge in a good way, like with the, the things we saw? I mean, notwithstanding the subway, which I'm sure that is destination central there. But um, overall, do you think it presented a good variety of, of areas in Lethbridge? Well, I think we got a cultural connection with the local Blackfeet tribe uh, participating in one of the clues we got we got a glimpse of waterton which is you know it's a little bit out of town there but absolutely gorgeous country um a lot of this was very much um, saskatoon trampoline park territory but it was it made it seem like maybe not necessarily a destination you'd want to go on vacation but at least a place that if you lived there you would enjoy living there yeah, I would love to go to the hotel at that pit stop, though. I mean, oh, I know we're jumping ahead. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I am low-key obsessed with that hotel, and I have been for most of my life, but we'll get there. <laughs> well, should we go to the top of the lake? Because I know, like usual with Canada, there's a lot to cover. Yep, it's true. I mean, Canada's real big, and so is every episode. We are definitely <laughs> making Canada proud with the number of tasks we cram into every single one of these episodes. No kidding. So, yeah, we're going to top of the... Top of the leg, we're going to fly into Calgary, and we get Brendan and Connor pointing out that they have an uncle in Calgary, which really gets my wheels turning, Dan, because I'm curious about. So I'm sure you're aware that every season of every iteration of Amazing Race that is out there in the world, as soon as filming begins, there are people on the Internet that know filming is happening. They are able to scour social media and other clues to find out where filming is happening. And you can pretty much, if you had friends on The Amazing Race, you could track them in real time on one of these websites. So say I am Connor and Brendan's uncle. Say I'm looking and I see that they're going to be in Calgary. Could I just like go and like chill at the airport and wait for them if I got a timely clue and, you know, like slip them some cash or something? Jess, I don't believe Uncle Danny would ever do that. He sounds like a really, really great individual. But yeah, seriously, I wonder if the show, because we also heard too that um, that Beverly, this is her hometown, and then they land in Calgary and they're like, we're out of Calgary. We're done. 
So maybe, you know, I guess Danny could maybe meet them at the airport or possibly Uncle Danny could follow them like um, on the down low without anyone noticing and then help them out if they needed help, like coming up with weird owl sounds like we didn't see that on screen. But who knows? Yeah, who knows? Indeed. Maybe he was the guy with the kazoo. Maybe that was him. (laughs) That guy looked younger than both Brendan and Connor. So I think he could be their nephew. so yeah, we get to um we get a little cultural moment here with uh the local Blackfeet people. Um they do a traditional dance, they give out the clue. We get a great moment here with Jesse and Marika, who had overall an amazing leg, but it kicked off. They got to have a really great personal story bump moment here, Dan. Um, do we want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I did want to mention something that we brought up in the preview where we refer we referred to Jesse Marika as being an Inuit, which is correct. But then also said they were from First Nations, which a, a listener pointed out, Laura Sewell, thank you, that that is not exactly true. So today I spent a good portion kind of um, reading about this, making sure and presenting it correctly. And just want to give a little background. I promise this won't turn into the Dan Reads the website uh, section of the day. That's but disappointing. <laughs> it's going to be shorter. Uh, but basically, Inuit is totally legally and culturally distinct from First Nations. You can often be referred to as First Peoples. Um, Inuit means the people in the Inuit language. And the area where they typically uh, lived is in the Arctic area, regions of northern Canada like Nunavut, Northwest Territory, northern Quebec, and Labrador. And it's completely separate from the groups of people that are considered First Nations. I just want to make sure that's clear. And they talk about this on the episode too, kind of their history and their background. And um, very interesting too, beyond just their story and then even court story again that we heard a little more about. And um, I just wanted to give that info because I didn't want to present them incorrectly given that they have such an interesting story. Yeah, for sure. Um, thanks, Laura, for pointing that out to us. And we're we're learning all the time, I think. Uh, one thing that I that really stuck out to me was hearing Court's story about having been like kind of forcibly separated from his culture, which this is something uh, that has been, of course, in the news in Canada a lot recently um, with a lot of really terrible discoveries about what went on in the residential school system. But what I didn't realize was that it was something that was you know, not necessarily in the sense of the residential schools, but something that was still very much going on when people as young as court were in the school system. That really shocked me. Um, and I guess it shouldn't have considering like the way that we treat every culture that's not mainstream culture down here in the States. But that was a really interesting moment as well to hear about Actually, both Jesse and Marika and Court and Allie talking about their identity and how they feel like they need to reconnect with their with their heritage. Yeah. And I think um, it's good to know that because, like, I am not an expert on on some of the history you described, but also the way that Court is especially but all of them are kind of framing it like, you know, this is how we grew up. And we like you said, we want to reconnect. And Court has you know, done a lot of it, you know, with some, with this, with what he, his group he's founded and everything and all the work he's doing is just so, so important and a great way for him to connect with culture. But I'm glad the show took the time, you know, because the show does move very quickly, took the time at the beginning to tell both of those teams stories right up front and to give us more background there beyond just kind of the quick sound bites. And I think 
Dan, I would not be surprised if all of the press around the Canadian history of it all has informed some of the tasks and some of the cultures that they're highlighting on this season of the race. Like they've obviously they had a little bit of time to think about this and think about what is missing from the story of Canada that they've told so far. Oh, I agree. And you even saw it with the pit stop greeter and how that was presented and everything else where the teams they chose and the teams they cast. And that's obviously a through line that they wanted to cover and did some too with in the last season we saw, but even more this season that they're really taking the time to spotlight. They always do a decent job of spotlighting the various cultures and immigrants and everyone else. Like we've seen that with Frank and Nella this season, but just a variety of different types of cultures and some that have not received as much attention as they they should. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I appreciated that we, that we stopped down again in an episode that's jam packed with all kinds of stuff. I appreciate we stopped down and had that moment. So then we go to the detour and John Montgomery is at an 11 introducing this detour. (laughs) Oh yes. He's wonderful. Yeah, like like I said, man has zero chill and he is talking about hoot or herd. And I would have thought we would have if we were going to lean into bad animal puns, we would have gone to the goats first. But no, he was having way too much fun with the owl and the owl was kind of not having it. Did you notice this, Dan? Yeah, Gordon, the owl was ready to get out of there. And John was just like, oh, man, he's like basically looking into Gordon's eyes and saying how much he loved Gordon. And Gordon was like, yeah, that's great, John. I got stuff to do. And um, (laughs) Gordon literally turns his head around. John looks at him and says, oh, you're so pretty. And then Gordon turns his head all the way around. Yeah. um, That's that's typical though, because you know, like we've, I even, we had a one uh, person who reached out to on Twitter and was like, the show is too much. I can't take it. It's just like too happy. It's too much. And I'm like, yep, that's, that's the show. You know, and, and that moment is a perfect example where I'm like, oh, that's funny. But Gordon not thinking it was funny. Yeah. Gordon really kind of no sense of humor. And, you know, I, I get it, Gordon. The world is a scary place, but you need to lean into the pure, unadulterated joy that is Amazing Race Canada, I think. Um, so, yeah, Dan, we got two tasks. And at first, I had to I had to do the amazing Google Maps on this because I wondered if everybody's immediate, almost everybody immediately said we're doing the goats. And I wondered if that was just because of a distance issue. And it appears not to be because they are in a park already that both of these locations are located within that same park. So it really, I'm surprised nobody did end up switching detours because it would have been fairly straightforward and easy to do. So the nature center and Fort whoop up are like half a mile from each other, if that. So, yeah, at Herd, you have the, you have to find all the goats that are wearing the same colored bandana as you and memorize the numbers and add them up. And of course, there's a trick to it. And Dan, I thought this was a pretty complicated math task that was made interesting by the fact that there were animals involved. Um, and I think it's a good balance because I think U.S. Amazing Race obviously does not do a whole lot of math. And part of that is because so many people in the United States don't believe in math and they don't want to alienate their audience, perhaps. But also math can be kind of boring to watch people do. And so I think 
Canada has really thought outside the box about how are they going to make math look like it's interesting while people are trying to add numbers in their head. And the answer is you introduce animals. Yeah. You know, they math. I bet you there's a math task almost every season on Amazing Race Canada. Mm -hmm. I remember Brent and Sean in season three were really good at math and all of a sudden started doing really well because the, and then you have the other teams where like the express pass is involved and the math task is often the express pass one. It feels like it or the one where they go, Oh my gosh. I think Dave and Arena had a very challenging time with the math <laughs> last time. I don't mean to keep ducking on David Arena, though. Yeah, I kind of do. But in general, I, I like the math and they they just did a math task on the Challenge USA last week, which I've been <laughs> watching. And it was them going down a building and adding and it's kind of boring. I mean, I like actually I'm really enjoying the Challenge USA. It has some amazing race competitors. James is just killing it on that so far. But they had a math task and they had him go down a building. And it was not as complicated or interesting as this. And I know this isn't really a fair comparison between two very different types of shows. But here, I think there was multiple challenges. One, you had to fight. You had to chase down the goats. You didn't know how many goats there were. Two, as people have learned with animal tests in the past, running fast at a goat, not the way to do it. Not the way to get them to stand in one place. That makes them run. Then you have like Jameek falling down and all those things. But also, too, here's the interesting thing that I noticed just is I think they all had two of the same number because mm -hmm. we saw that like three times. I think that is what tripped up. It definitely is what tripped up Cordinale. It tripped up several of the teams that were near the back or even the teams that got it quickly went, wait a second. You have 36 and I have 30. Six. And that, but that little change makes people second guess themselves, especially when they're stressed. And ma that made it even harder. Where, well, it's this is a weird case where I feel like Hoot was probably easier, but I also feel like when there's only two teams and you can just keep doing it over and over, it was kind of easier. But Herd was deceptively harder than it looked, unless you were a team that had a really cool system with singing. Yeah, I the the system with singing is really I think the headline here because that was that was they took a task that might have been like a C plus task to watch, even with the animals, and I think Team Fernella made it even more entertaining. Like they actually yes. so far this is maybe the most entertaining task we've had on the race this season. Um, I love I love their I love the energy they're bringing to this, and the whole time I was sitting here thinking. It's really too bad we can't get Rob Sesternino to watch Amazing Race Canada because this is the team he'd be rooting for, one hundred percent. They've got they've got real like Michelle and Victoria energy to them. Um, they're a little bit snarky. They've got good energy. They, you know, they have fun with it. And I think those are all things like like Rob would have a whole soundboard of them. <laughs> yes, he would. Like just them in the car and stuff. And then you know, I even had written down a quote, which was just them singing. Later, 29, 31, 39, 12. And they kept singing over and over. And I was like, oh, this is pretty nice. I kind of like this. You know, I mean, I feel bad. The thing is, this is what happens though, just when, when like we're drafting and we only have a minute. I mean, you can't convey what they were going to be on the race. And they're a weird combination where they're fun and they're silly and they have a good relationship. And also they're tailor made for so far what we've seen on the show. Because the show, we haven't seen a lot of, I mean, there was the climbing last week, but a lot of strength. And not that they're not strong, but there's ones that require you to kind of think on your feet and act a little different or whatever. They were good singers last week. And they seem to be able to kind of come up with inventive ways to kind of, I wouldn't say break, but to find their way through. 
And um, because they're also, they seem to be very in sync with how they kind of think and how they act. And granted, I don't want to oversell their first place, but they were fourth last week. And um, I think we undersold them. I'm feeling, I, I don't think they're going to like run the table, but they're pretty solid. Man, I would love it if they did run the table. So I'm just putting that out there. Like I'm going to, I'm putting that in the universe. They could run the table. I'd be totally cool with that. Yeah. It'd be a much different all female team than like uh Stephen Kristen. It would, and it would be a wonderful team to win. And I really hope they stay on our screens as long as they can. Yeah. No kidding. That was, that was a lot of fun for sure. Um, I wonder if maybe the trick to this, task is to figure out how many bandanas you're working with and then try to figure out what the numbers are because if you keep counting the if you keep counting one of the numbers that you're seeing twice as having seen it once if you know if you're only coming up with seven numbers and you really have eight then you know you're doing something wrong right yeah and that's the key because you saw teams originally they come up and their number would be like 258 and they say 220 or 225 or whatever. And that's where, and I appreciate the show showing us what the right number was for each team and then having them guess wrong. One, we could kind of point and laugh, but also too, that it, it allowed us to understand what they were doing wrong, which is not always the case. Yeah. I think they did like visually, it was very easy to understand what people were doing wrong. Um, I liked that, that everybody had to come up with a different answer too, which, you know, that's my pet peeve about these number tasks is if everybody has to come up with the same number, they'll just give it to each other. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. But I want to go to a question that we got on Twitter from Brian Halpin, because I think I think he's got a really interesting point here. He says, was there a time window when they could guess the number on goats? What stopped them from just scrolling through 258, 257, 256, 255, 254, 253, etc.? Yeah. And I think there had to be there had to be something. We did see a montage of misses. I think it was um, I think it was it was. um Dennis and Darrell, if I remember correctly, but teams that kept guessing. But even then, I think there there was probably time between them because then there, you saw teams at some point after they guessed would like have to walk away. Now, maybe it was they could guess a couple times, two or three times. But I think the show wanted teams to actually have to work through it. And I mean, granted, it's editing. It could have been anything, but somebody would have figured it out and been like, just done like the price is right clock game kind of approach or something. <laughs> it just gone through all the numbers and teams weren't. I mean, so, I mean, I, there were teams guessing and whenever we saw a team guess like that, they were wrong. So again, they may be editing, but still, I don't think they were allowed to endlessly guess. There had to be some limit. Yeah. Well, not to mention, I think, I think if you knew you were close, it would be worth trying that, but, you weren't close. Like you didn't know if you were close. You didn't know if you had the wrong numbers or if your math was wrong. And if your math is wrong, then, and you're, and you're reasonably certain your math is wrong. It might behoove you to try that. But if it could be 232, it could be 292 and you don't know, you can't really, 
you can't really rely on it to be able to rattle off the numbers that quickly. I don't think it is a case like there's been one case. There's been one time in history when this was the only way to do something like that. Dan, um, I don't know if you remember, there's a task in amazing race us season 13. They were in Brazil and they got dumped in this field and it was just full of, of like, it was surrounded by this big wall and there were all these advertisements painted on the wall and they were given a clue and they're like, the answer, like the location you need to go to next is somewhere on this, on these walls. And that was it. And the only thing you could do was just write down everything that it said on the wall and go to the task judge and read them all off until you got the right one. And a lot of people just overthought it until they realized that that was what they had to do. And I think in that case, when you know, like you have a finite set, but this is really, this is all the numbers in the world, Dan. The goats, there could be a goat out there with 972,000 on his bandana and you just didn't see that goat. You don't know. That'd be a great trick. Just have one goat that's like a million yeah. and everything else is like 20 and everybody's like 240, 250. And it's like, no, no. I mean, we had have, we have the great Catherine and Craig moment, of course, <laughs> with the 72 plus 29 is 99 over and over and they never they were only off by two because you saw them go up and it was 240 they said 249 and it was 251 and they didn't guess more but and then you had this great moment with like where they they should have really had some sort of light bulb go on over her head because it like paused and then she was like oh no it's 101 <laughs> and i was i was like oh my gosh you're watching it going like oh my gosh they're too off i know what she's doing because she's taking the nine for 29 and just putting that at the end, it's like, no, she's got to You got to break it down, which is what they did. So they never tried that. But I think it's also because they were so insistent. She was so insistent that she was right. She just was doing one thing wrong the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's a problem when you don't know when you when you try every single thing other than the thing you're wrong about. And we've seen people on The Amazing Race do that plenty of times in the world. Um, yes. Yeah. So. <laughs> so. So what about a hoot, Dan? Was this a was this a hoot for you? Oh yes, I mean, oh my gosh, I just and it's not even as much. I mean, you there's there's multiple layers to this. The thing I didn't, I mean, the teams are hamming it up, especially you know we got uh, Brendan is the real ham here, as we've seen throughout the two legs. Now those guys are just they're basic. We don't have compared them to Team Giver. They're right there. Mm-hmm. I mean, those guys are there in terms of they're they're throwing out. I mean, they're just a lot, but. I also enjoyed the silly descriptions because they had the trick here is you had to come up with a description like teams tried to just like sound it out and like make the sound and that that didn't work. So you had to come up with a description and say like a dog, like a horse, like a rooster. And I love the, you know, it sounds like somebody's dying. It sounds like a little flute and all the dead. I mean, Cedric had to shot Cedric. Oh boy. He's, he's fun. You know, he's just like, oh, these animal sounds are great. He's just getting so into it. I just like the idea of teams kind of like, this is not anything that you can prepare for and say, oh, I'm going to study animal sounds of owls or try to describe them. And you don't know what the description is that your partner has. So it forces teams to just kind of be ridiculous. And I also thought it was interesting that teams work together because um, because there's only two of them. It made total sense. But you could also think if if they were worried that like they were behind, that I guess Cedric and Deshaun are really focused on that, on that express pass though. Yeah. I mean, there's really no downside for either one of them because Brendan and Connor are 
you know, we've, they've established themselves. They already know they're one of the stronger teams. So working with this other team is not necessarily going to tank their game. Plus, you know, for Cedric and Sean, it's like, we're going to work with them and perhaps make friends with them and get their express pass. Uh, I want to, I want to highlight again. I wish I had an amazing race soundboard so we could get that whole like montage of owl sounds into the soundboard. Um, especially like as delivered by Brendan and Connor. That was <laughs> quite something. Uh, the two of them, they, they have a lot of team giver energy. They have a lot of Mickey and Pete energy, but they really remind me of nobody more than um, Riley and Jonesy from Letterkenny. Um, Letterkenny is a Canadian sitcom that you could watch yes. on Hulu and, at the top of this leg, Brendan and Connor start going into like deep hockey lingo. And I swear to God, I, I thought it was Riley and Jonesy for a second there. Um, which there's even a, there's even a little like post credits bumper in one of the episodes where they try out for Amazing Race Canada. So you know that if there was like a Canadian, Canadian fictional character, Amazing Race, like, you know, Brant Steele can get up, get up on this. Um, they would definitely be an all-timer team. So I every time I see Brandon and Connor, I think Riley and Jonesy. Oh, totally. Yeah. And I, I've seen I've watched all of it, but I've seen enough. And there were there's one season where it's a lot of them sitting on the bench just like they're not scoring any goals. They're chirping. They're, just go, they're going <laughs> on and on and on about you know, I forget the phrase, not you know, but similar. It felt very similar where it's like these two just play off each other. Um, you know, especially I mean Connor's role is more to laugh really hard at, at Brendan, but they're both hilarious. And um, I mean, they're, they are dialed to 11. So again, it's every, you know, Gordon, the owl would not have it. He would have been gone, but everyone else, I think a lot of people would enjoy it. Yeah. I was, I was sad when we saw the previews for this episode, I thought there might be direct interaction with owls because they really lean so hard into John Montgomery getting to hold Gordon. I'm like, oh, do they get to hold an owl? Do they get to like do some kind of training exercise or something like that? But no, it's all like in the museum doing something like Amazing Race Canada doesn't even actually have to build anything for this task. Like if you if you told me that when they send fifth graders on field trips to this nature center, they have to play this exact same game, I would not be surprised. Well, we have a local nature center called Powder Valley Nature Center which, oh my gosh, is so much like this. I mean, we've been there with my daughters a bunch and they have a thing where you can smell a bunch of things and you have to identify what it is. And they all that was terrible. a task. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing where it's like, you look at this, they have birds, they have all these like little questions and, and little things with bugs and animals. And yeah, this had this, my daughters and I talked about this. They totally were like, this totally feels like that. And not in a negative way. We like that place. It's a fun place. It has trails around it and stuff. But again, I don't know if I would say if you come to St. Louis, that's the amazing race destination they want to go to. No. In <laughs> fact, I think I, I was even thinking I might have actually been to this center as a kid, but I'm not sure. There's also one in Medicine Hat, so they all kind of blur together. And by the way, surprised that Amazing Race Canada hasn't been to Medicine, Medicine Hat yet because it's about it's comparable size. It's a little bit smaller, but there's a lot of stuff they could. There's a lot of mileage they could get out of that, like two or three seasons down the line. Um, so yeah, we get we go through Hoot. Um, eventually, they get it. They get all their owls in a row. I was impressed that on the first try, uh, Brendan and Connor got zero correct, which takes <laughs> some doing. I, I I was like, that might be harder to do than getting any 
than getting one correct or two. Yeah, kudos to the judges, to Dallas, the judge, the from yeah. who to special, both of them, because they had to say no a lot of times. You even saw a moment with the judge on herd and where she was so relieved. I think it was when Tessa Durrell got it that she was like, oh, you got it. And was very happy for them. So, yeah, but it was a lot of a lot of errors. And I kept thinking because the show would kind of do their editing thing. And I'm like, oh, I think this, the editing is telling us they're going to get it right. And they're like, they got two. Then they got three. It, it's hard. It was tough. I mean, I think they had to make it hard enough, though, because they knew the goats were going to take a long time. Yeah, they did a very good job of balancing the tasks, I think. Like these both seemed like equally challenging tasks to me. I I really like this is a kind of a break the fourth wall scenario, but I love picturing how we set up um being a judge for a task on the amazing race. Like if they if they appointed me to be a judge, it's not just I have to stand there and like get my cue from production on whether or not to tell them they passed the test. I also have to shoot a bunch of B-roll where they just have the camera right on my face and I say, yes, you got it right. No, I'm sorry. Try again. And different variations of that. And the the thought of having to shoot all of those, uh, and you see it later with the subway lady too, like putting it with the thumbs up and handing over the, and like handing the footlong sub to the camera. Like, it it seems more obvious on Amazing Race Canada than it does on U.S. that they do all of those little stand-ups of, yes, you're absolutely correct. And then they just like edit that in. Well, the fact that John seems to go out of his way to name, the, I give the name, not to name them. It sounds mm-hmm. like he's he's like naming them like your name is this. But no, <laughs> he he, um, he always makes sure it's like this person because like a lot of Phil will be like, and the fishmonger will give you the clue. They don't always tell you the name where John's always like generally will tell you who the person is and the camera will spend enough time kind of showing a lot of it. Sometimes it's like they want to show her go, here's your foot log over and over or whatever. But um, still, I think they do focus on them a bit more because I think the idea is make Canada proud. Let's show Canada. Let's show the judges who are involved Everyday in this. Canadians. Yes. It's, it's more involved with that rather than, the world is waiting for you. You don't have time to show a judge. You're going to run to the next thing or whatever. There's time a little more, I think, to focus on that. Um, they did this in Australia, too, where it seemed like the judges were more active because, again, this she- this season was or the season that was most recently aired was all in Australia. Same deal. So I think they're doing that. And um, I hate that, you know, I would like to think when I'm watching it just, though, that every time they say you're incorrect, that they are actually responding to the team. This is... um. There's a lot to take right now. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think they do respond to the team or at least um, the producer standing behind them responds to the team. Well, you know, as we went along here, though, there were several moments as the teams were driving over that we should call out and discuss here before we really dig into the subway task. Um, The first being Jesse and Marika getting directions from someone that looked kind of familiar but it is canada so i mean is do you think it's normal in canada that anytime you stop and ask for directions it's going to be a nhl hockey star is that how it works i mean dan don't shatter my illusions here (laughs) i i assume that every time you stop for directions in canada it's a famous canadian that that does it although i will say i'm not a hockey person like everything i know about hockey like i basically have learned from riley and jonesy so uh, Ron Sutter is not a name that's familiar to me, but I think this is someone that you have heard of. 
Well, yes, he played for the Blues, like probably the height of my interest in hockey. I mean, I'm still interested now, but was like in the early, late 80s, early 90s. The Blues had really good teams. Did not win the Cup then, but finally did a few years ago. Ron Sutter played for the Blues only for three years. I actually looked up because I'm like, I know he did. But his brother, the Sutters are a hockey family. Mm, you have Daryl like Sutter. The Mannings of, yeah, yeah. You have Brian Sutter, who was also a very good player, who also was the coach of the Blues for a long time. So I see, and this, they all kind of look similar. Like I wouldn't, if you had just shown me that picture, I wouldn't have been like, that's Ron Sutter. I would not know, but I'd be like, yeah, there's something. And then they say it and I'm like, oh yeah. Cause the Sutter's all kind of are variations of similar. They all have a similar look. And so right when I saw him, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, that's it. And Sutter's like a famous name for the blues because multiple players played for it. And especially when the blues were really, the town was really into them in the nineties. Like the um, Brett Hole era. Yes, exactly. Brett Hall was with them. They were really good. They would be great. And then always losing the first or second round of the playoffs. And everyone would be like, yep, that's how it always goes. So, um, and you know, it was, it was a little frustrating, but also really fun too. Yeah. And I mean, of course it is a hockey legend that they run into at this juncture. I was trying to think like how famous would a sports person have to be for me to register that I've gotten directions from them. And Honestly, as a New Yorker, you'd think I would know more celebrities, but I have actually like done the thing where I've had a whole interaction with a random person on the street and realized 15 minutes later that they were a celebrity. Um, that is a thing that I have done before, not with an athlete. I think there are probably, there are maybe like two dozen professional athletes that I would recognize if I was in that situation. So. Yeah, I think. Taken out of context, too. I mean, yes, there's some like, especially if like hockey, they wear helmets now, they wear masks. Uh, football, I mean, if they're big, you might be like that because it's a big dude or whatever, but they wear helmets and everything. Baseball is one I might recognize more because you see their faces more. Right. But then there's a lot of random guys that like relief pitchers are like, I don't, I wouldn't know if that guy was, you know, I once had a history teacher, this is a total tangent, who had a story, this was in high school, so this was a while ago, who met Elvis Presley in like the 1970s <laughs> at, at a resort. I didn't know who he was and wow. just shook his hand and said, I love your work. And then asked somebody who that was. And they were like, um, that was Elvis. So I don't know with that. That might be the case. That was almost the case here with Jesse, who I'm not a hundred percent sure may have been fed a little info by producers that that was a hockey legend. Cause he didn't seem to know. Well, he did say he thought it was one of the Sutter brothers. I, I think what might've transpired there is that they get the directions and then they're in the car and production is like, Hey, did that guy look familiar to you? You think he looked familiar? And then they get the shot of Jesse saying, hey, he looked sort of familiar. Maybe I guess he sort of looked like one of the Sutter brothers. Maybe. I don't know. And he's just like thinking about it in his head, but it wouldn't have occurred to him if someone hadn't pointed out. Well, yeah, especially on the race with like yeah. stress and everything else. The last thing they're thinking is like, I'm going to see a celebrity. Yeah. <laughs> You know, in, um, you know, in Leftbridge. Well, you know, but the other exciting moment here is, of course, Brandon and Connor <laughs> driving along and just looking over and this guy's like playing a kazoo with like a kid. And of course, they immediately get so excited and are like, rip that kazoo. And um, one of the most random moments I think I can ever remember seeing on this show. So what do you think of this, Jess, while I try to compose myself? I have a lot of questions, Dan. I really, and, and again, I, I think I know too much about how the Amazing Race sausage is made because they didn't blur that guy's face out. How did they get a release from a guy in a moving vehicle with a kazoo? 
That's a good question. Yeah. I mean, did they, did they like hold the paper out the window and say, sign this? Did or, they like, pull him over? It's an iPad now. I don't know. Yeah. Did they, I wonder if the producers had like, I mean, who knows? Maybe they were close to a task or like at a stoplight or whatever. And the producer's like, pull into that, you know, service station right there. And then you know, they, pull in. they drop off Brendan Cotter at the road or at subway and then go back. I, I don't know how that would work because Brendan Cotter were driving. Hmm. Yeah. Like, uh, meet us at question. subway. Meet us at subway. We got a thing we need you to sign, kazoo guy. Here's a foot log. <laughs> yeah. And I want to give a shout out to our listener, John, um, who had who lives in the area apparently and had given directions to Catherine and Craig at some point during this leg and was, you know, he was on camera and I believe signed a release and thought he might show up in this leg, but he got upstaged by a hockey legend and a kazoo guy. And so I think we have to, we have to shout out the unsung heroes here. They would have shown that, you know, and John, thank you for helping team Dan. I appreciate it. But, um, but then they were like, okay, we've got about 15 seconds. Should we show that guy helping give directions? Oh, wait, we forgot about the kazoo guy. Oh, oh, that, that's the beat we want. That's what we got to do. And they're like, but that wasn't that better than Ron Sutter. He wasn't really that thrilling. You know, John looked really excited. It's like, no, no, Mm -hmm. sorry. Sorry, John. Um, on the cutting room floor, but, um, I'm sure you did a great job at directions, John. I'm I'm sure they were correct directions because we didn't see Catherine and Craig get lost. So kudos to you for that too. Yes. So moving on to subway. Exciting. Yeah. I mean, this is one of those tasks like, you know, I'm less annoyed by the product placement as than most people. I feel like they're not going to give you a sponsored task that you're going to screw up like over and over. They, they give you something. It's more like, it's more like a speed bump. It's like you're not going to get this wrong because if you get it wrong, it reflects poorly on the brand. So yeah, they're like, like they never got their foot longs because they got eliminated by John while still trying to find the farm or something. Yeah. Or like <laughs> I brought 13 tomatoes back and I needed 21. This task is too hard. Subway is terrible. Yeah, we didn't see anybody bring the wrong number back. Yeah, I don't I, know. if Could you if have brought extra? Yeah, that's that okay. We don't. We brought twenty five. We only need twenty two. We'll just throw those away. Yeah, we'll eat them. <laughs> oh, but here's something very important. John mentioned that they were going to find different types of vegetables, and Cedric pointed out tomatoes are fruit, you know. And the subway person was not really that amused by what he asked. It's true. Well, I think in point of fact, by the definition of what a fruit is, I think three of the four of these might be fruit. <laughs> Come on, Amazing Grace Canada. Cedric saw through it. I don't figure it out, man. <laughs> yeah, so they had to go to some farms, which do you here's my question for you, fourth wall kind of question. Do you think those farms actually normally provide ingredients to Subway? That's the question. I think Subway would like you to think that. Um yes. <laughs> I would guess that Subway probably doesn't go to the farm stand and pick up stuff from local places, but I think they probably do contract with Canadian farms to get a lot of their vegetables because that's very good press and it's good for your carbon footprint and probably tastes a lot better too. Like the U S subway, I'm pretty sure like all of that stuff comes on a barge from the middle of nowhere. But in Canada, I would be willing to believe that they at least, they at least get it from local providers if they don't drive the truck up to the farm stand every day. Well, yeah, especially if you have the subway where it was located and these farms nearby, I mean, in theory, 
it's probably more reasonable and easier to get some supplies, you know, especially things like tomatoes and everything from areas that are very close. But again, this is me having no understanding really of how the food supply chain works. So yeah, I'm not same, sure. <laughs> same. I, I do know that it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility to say that one of these farms probably has a deal with Subway to supply their tomatoes or cucumbers. Um, and I honestly don't know how many of that vegetable your typical Subway would go through in a day. How much would you need? Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's a romanticized portrait of what actually happens. But I would be willing to believe that you might eat something at a subway in Lethbridge that was actually grown within 100 miles of Lethbridge. Yeah, I think that makes sense. So what, a couple of the things I noticed, too, is it seemed like that they were able to order the type of sandwich they wanted because, you know, Craig, very interested in the extra extra pickles, which Craig. That's crazy. Pickles are terrible. I'm sorry. I just have to say it. That's, All right. That's... I, I quit the podcast. <laughs> also, um, I'm stepping away from that because I, you know, but Beverly and Veronica both had to stop and be like vegetarian, right? And it seemed like they were eating them. So my thought is, did teams go there and like submit an order and then go to the farms and come back and their sandwiches were ready? I would assume so. Like, I, I imagine there's like a behind the scenes thing where they're like, okay. Uh, we're going to give you a sandwich. What kind of sandwich would you like? And they probably had to fill out a little form, but that wasn't as compelling. They could have made it a whole thing, though. Like, you know how many times they've shown someone in the product placement. Like, it's the same as if you pull up the Travelocity app and are like, it's mm. so easy to book my free trip on Travelocity. It could be the same thing. Like, wow, there's so many great options on this menu and I can put whatever I want on my sandwich and the sandwich artist will make it for me. They could have made a meal out of that. The Literally. worst example, yes, very good. The worst example is the foot to automatically open the back of the of the Ford. That was the one they kept showing in the US over <laughs> yes. and over, where yes. every team did it. Or the backup that they like the backup camera yep. was so amazing, which then a team kind of failed on. <laughs> but in general, um, yeah, this was not this was not too egregious. And really, my only disappointment is they didn't make them do some sort of weird eating task, which again. Maybe Subway doesn't really want that, though they did do that in Australia, but it wasn't like a weird, nasty eating. It was more like identifying ingredients, but I feel like they left a little bit on the table here with what they could have done. Yeah, they definitely they definitely could have done more with it, although I did like that they that they got to tuck into these sandwiches while they were starving, and they're like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing I've ever tasted. That was very good publicity for subway i haven't seen publicity for subway that good since the product placement segment in happy gilmore when he hits the subway sandwich with the hockey stick yeah i think they had a lot about subway was it community or chuck i was there was oh, a it was show community that, yeah it was community yeah, where they were all over going on about subway so um smart there subway knows what they're doing they're picking the right shows i guess like amazing race canada i don't know they're on it but yes that was the task. And oh, I want to mention Frank and Nella also brought our team Franella brought in a found a separate mode for their car called sport mode that apparently allowed them to just blitz past other teams. Um, I didn't know this was possible that you could drive so much faster with this different mode. Oh, why doesn't every car have that? Only their car had it. Ah, sport mode. Never heard of this. This is like this is like one of those settings on your TV. Where it's like it's supposed to imperceptibly change it, and I can never figure out like what is the difference between like the way that they're showing the motion. Like, is this like motion smoothing 
Yeah, people hate motion smoothing, and I'm always like, I don't think that's on my TV, but I really not sure I would know either way. Yeah, I I can't <laughs> identify it when it happens. Like, and I think some people can't identify it. It just upsets them when it happens. But yeah, this is uh, like, what is, is sport mode? Just like, does it pop up like little spoilers on the back of the car, or <laughs> we get like an extra engine kicking in? <laughs> Well, you saw they like blew past. That might have been the reason they got first because it was they blew past Dusty and Marika because those teams were neck and neck. And they had this moment where, again, product placement for Chevy. But, you know, if I got that that truck or SUV, I would want that mode. And I expect to just blitz past everyone. And, of course, no ticket, you know, no speeding. Yeah, I need sport mode, but I also need like qualified immunity mode. <laughs> yes, that you need both of them. Well, we should move on, I guess, to Roadblock at Control-V, the virtual reality place, which um, we were talking at home and we're like, you know, there's probably one of these somewhere near my house that I'm not aware of. Well, especially there may have been pre-pandemic, but they ask who's up for a slice, which of course makes me think you're going to eat pizza, was not true, but most teams seem to be game for this. What did you think of this Roadblock? Well, Dan... This was the segment of the show that I thought was going to take up the entire podcast because there was such a place once upon a time, not near my house and not near your house, but in a place where we both like to travel on occasion um, in what was then called downtown Disney and is now called Disney Springs in Orlando, Florida. There was a place called Disney Quest and it closed down like almost 10 years ago at this point, Dan, but it was basically games like this top to bottom and it was fun af and i cannot believe that you never went to this well here's the thing i wish i had it's one of those things where it closed and i went and i've like watched like there's a youtube channel called defunct land and that has gone Mm -hmm. through like the whole history of disney quest and stuff but it kind of came at a weird time because you know it opened in 1998 and I had a stretch where I, didn't, I had just graduated from college and I didn't go to Disneyland from like 98 through like 2005, which was kind of the heyday of Disney Quest, really. Because it was that kind of when, it, when everything worked well and was mm-hmm. cutting edge and everything. And then we went a few times. And one time we even had like a ticket. It was like 2008 where we could have gone for nothing. It was like included and somehow never got there. And then we had kids and they were babies and you know how that goes. And before you know it, you're not really, I mean, personally, I'd go there. I could probably spend all day in a place like that. I'd be like, yeah, this is totally, I loved arcades when I was a kid and my parents never let me go as much as I wanted to. This totally would have been up my alley. Even David Buster's isn't too bad. And this is like on another level and I never went. And this is like, this is just bring up sad memories of then they added the NBA experience, which basically is already closed. Cause I heard it was stupid dead to me. <laughs> and now it's like, people are like, can they just put Disney quest back in? But instead it's kind of being used for a little, like they're actually, they were using part of the space for like a free virtual reality demonstration recently, but they haven't figured out really what to do because it's a massive building that they kind of redid completely, but they don't really know what to do with it now. They could just make it more parking because they always need more parking down there. Um, oh, yeah. I can't. I have such I I almost don't even want to go to that area because it's like such a pain to park the car. And I know we're way off the map here. I, but I got lost there for two hours looking for our car one time. <laughs> <laughs> but, not fun yeah and now they have these big garages and there's a whole different problem it's like wait there's multiple garages yeah. and they have different colored levels and was i, I in lime I was in. or yeah. kiwi <laughs> too much effort I, too I'm much like, i'm at the hotel there's a restaurant here i'm going to that but yeah. regardless this is that on a smaller scale 
I mean, I think they had this exact virtual reality game at my local science center for a while. So I don't know how much I want to oversell this, but um, I think this would have been really fun to play. But to me, the mo- the most thing I I mean, I looked at the placements on this, Jess, and there was only really uh, almost no change in the placements mm-hmm. when they arrived. The only change was is that Cedric was slightly better at it. Or actually, it's backwards. Cedric was worse at it than Catherine. That was the only change in the placement from when they hit this to when they went to the pit stop. So while it was fun to watch them make all these weird arm movements and kind of upbeat and you got that song in your head, but it didn't really have much to do with the show in terms of actually, I thought somebody would really screw up, but it didn't look like anyone really did. Yeah, it it really seemed like you do it once and you fail and then you figure out what you have to do next and you do it again and you're fine. It was not... It was not an exciting task in that regard. So I don't know. This this is also this is a this is in the trampoline park bucket, Dan. This is something you could do literally anywhere. And in fact you could do it in Florida. So it's like, could you do this in Florida? Maybe it's not a Amazing Race Canada kind of task. But I guess it was all right. Um they do a lot of this kind of stuff, which is just like, yeah, you could probably do this in just about any major city in Canada, but it was it's a thing like if you were on vacation in Lethbridge and you needed something to do with your afternoon and you were kind of bored, this might be something the locals would tell you to check out. So. If it was raining. Yeah, if it was <laughs> raining. It doesn't I rain go a lot. Here, go to there. the national park that looks that looks amazing. Oh, um, yeah. it is. It is. <laughs> but yeah, it's one of those things where I also find too, the Amazing Race US does this too in Canada, is they really get excited. And this sub this is something they can show in the preview. That you're like, wow, that looks really, that looks interesting. But any type of simulator or video game that has like updated technology, I always think that would probably be fun to do myself. But watching someone do it again, it's like, you can't really see what skill is involved. I mean, yes, they show they're editing it so much where I'm like, this person's really good. Like Marika is very good, you know, stunt performer, martial arts. Then we have uh, <laughs> We had other people that were not so good. And Cedric, you know, was trying really hard, but hung in there pretty well. But it, a lot of it was just coordination. It, you couldn't even tell if the most coordinated people actually were that much faster. Like, and I'm not entirely sure. They made it seem like Court was right there with Cassie and Darrell. He was close because they got to the pit stop around the same time. But I don't think it was as close because they can edit it to make it seem as close or far away as you want. It's true. It's it's true. I don't think anybody was terrible at it. I, and again, to your point, I don't think it, it really didn't affect placement. Um, you had Cedric getting 24% on his first try. So there's that. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it really. I think it's just one of those. It, it was an interesting thing to watch for a few seconds. But you're right, Dan, like this is why, you know, this is how you can tell you and I are old because, you know, we don't watch Twitch. We don't watch people play video games. So this is. Not something that we find entertaining in the middle of an amazing grace challenge. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I really felt like I was getting on the cutting edge. You know, we got a Nintendo Switch this year, and I was like, wow, we're really up to date. It's been around for a really long time. So, and I love video games, but it's just not the same as, you know, being as excited. I mean, granted, my daughter loved the beat of the. I did not know exactly what the words were. All I heard was new sound, but I've been told by Josh Creek on Twitter, pedal it back. I even messed it up when I said it. <laughs> pedal it back to bring the new sound. But really in my head, I just heard, don't, 
dun, 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 dun. You know, of yeah. course, there, I was almost just doing a completely different song. That sounded like Push It by Salt and Pepper, <laughs> but no, that's not what it was. <laughs> but, uh, but still, in my head, it was the same thing over and over. But, you know, I think it was fine. I do enjoy them doing different things. This is not make me as angry as the trampoline park. Maybe I've just kind of softened a bit with anger about anything. But it, it would, there were some fun moments. I mean, Cassie being really loud and talking through it um, was, was entertaining. I enjoyed that. And um, granted, you just saw teams do something different. Everybody hung in there. And then they were off to the pit stop while singing O Canada with some extra music and a flag in the background. <laughs> so, Dan, I can't remember which team it was that said this, which I thought was pretty great. I think it was Beverly and Veronica. I think Veronica said, do you want me to cheer you on or do you want me to shut up and let you do this? And I thought that was a pretty good thing to say to your partner when you're going into a roadblock. Yeah, no. And and she, I think she said to let her do it. And she kind of backed away and they had this kind of music where she's like, she's doing great. Actually, and then she's like, I I don't really know how she's doing at all. I, I'm just assuming that they played weird music, but yeah, I mean, um, those two again finished. We've talked a lot. We talked about the top two teams, Franca Nell and Jesse Marika. Marika and Veronica, very solid. Once again, they said they don't play video games, but then she's like, this is how I dance at music festivals. And, okay. But you know, that, that allowed her to get it done, but also just, um, both of them, um, versatile and strong and their relationship, like you mentioned, very solid team. I was, I did not waver at all in our thoughts after episode one that they are a team to be reckoned with here because um, they're right there with the top teams, finishing strong along with Brendan O'Connor after them. Um, I think we kind of could see where some of these teams are going, but it could change a lot because they all did get bunched together at the beginning, but um, everybody was pretty close. I, um, so we got to the end. And it was keep on racing. What did you think about John holding the three teams there and then sending them all at once? Was that fair? Well, I think on a. I, I think they do that when they check in on a normal leg. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of, OK, come in, I can check you in. And then they, they releasing them all. I would guess that there's probably going to be the very next thing they're going to do is probably get in, get on a get on transportation that leaves at the same time anyway, or at least like sign up for a bus that's leaving at the same time. So it's going to be one of those things where it doesn't actually matter that much. That is true. Cause you saw this time where it was kind of like, Oh yeah, they got on a plane, they drove and now all the teams are there. And it's like, Oh, but I do, I think maybe they did have them depart because each one, they kind of shared a moment there and they mm -hmm. kind of separated, but they were all a few minutes apart really throughout that. So that is true. I think I don't get the impression and I don't know, part of it might also having to do with COVID and kind of how they're treating it. But the the flights are never a big deal on most of the seasons we've seen here. But I think that's probably going to be the case. And I don't think the show really focuses. They kind of almost bring everyone back together, which can lead to cases, though, where you have Jesse and Marika going like, man, we want to go up a spot or two. They're really ambitious. They want to get up a spot or two. And then mm -hmm. they're like, oh, we're in second. And you did see a lot of change. I mean, some of the teams did better, like Cedric and Deshaun. Um, other teams did worse like court and Alley. And so by doing that, you do allow there to be more unpredictability and teams to move forward when they're, when they're better than others. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I want to see a lot of mixing up of the order. Like I think I can always point to objectively the worst season 
of Amazing Race that didn't completely turn the formula on its head. Uh, we could talk about U.S. Season 24, where they always started at the same time at the beginning of the leg, and the order just never switched up at any point throughout the entire leg. Everybody would be bunched together at one end and bunched together at the other end, and they just never, like, they never jumped the queue. And this, this at least gives people, there's enough going on here that you can see a team check in eighth the first time and then check in second. So I, I feel really, I feel really good about that. Like where the tasks are maybe not the most interesting all the time. At least they call upon the kinds of skills that people could be good at or bad at and not just like the one type of team that always wins is good at them. Yeah. Because the worst legs usually of the amazing race are when a team, especially a team you like, barely survived the previous leg, but was behind by an hour or two. And the whole leg, they keep going, we can come back, we can do it, and never, ever even ends up in the same frame as anyone. And so it's like you watch a whole time, and no matter how hard the show tries, experienced watchers like you and I <laughs> know that they will never end up on, the, you know, make it. And so you're just like watching a team just like, oh, they weren't eliminated last week, or maybe it was not elimination, and they never had a chance this week, like they were just toast. Yeah, I mean, bring it back to, I think it was, it was season 13, again, of the U.S. version where there was a, there was one team that was literally 24 hours behind the other teams. And so it looked like it was the same day, but it was an entirely different day. Um, so yeah, let, there's not much of that anymore because people don't book their own flights, but I think, I still want to believe that, you know, there's still, there's still times when there's a team that's clearly not gonna, that's clearly not competitive. And I, I appreciate the links they've gone to, to make sure that it stays competitive. Yeah. We're not going to have the gutsy grannies sleeping on the benches <laughs> in like London when everyone else has checked in and it's like, this is the saddest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> you know, the team taking the limo to the pit stop because they're so far behind, you know, I, I'll, my references are from like season two and three right now. Yeah. I watched those recently. We've, we've learned a lot about how to plan an amazing race since 2002, Dan. <laughs> well, what'd you think of the fact that for Team Fernella won like everything? <laughs> like they won so many things. These first place prizes are ridiculous. I, I kind of, I kind of feel like other amazing races are getting the short shrift, like amazing race, Ukraine, giving people a case of beer as their prize. Then here in amazing race, Canada, you win a leg, you get a trip for two to Lima, you get footlongs for a year and $5,000 from subway and a $5,000 gift card from Marshall's, which would buy out two entire Marshall's. <laughs> it's no 25,000 to Marshall's, but the subway thing too. I mean, I assume footlongs for years, probably like once a week. It's probably not every day, mm. but then that other 5,000, Let's say even every time you went, you got chips and a drink or something. That's going to last a really long time. <laughs> I think that's I, a lot of subway. I could spend $5,000 in Marshall's quicker than I could spend $5,000 in subway. That is true. I mean, what's like if you the footlongs covered that you pay like, oh, I'm going to spend $2 to make it a combo. It's probably more now. I haven't been to subway in a little <laughs> while, you know, because fast food is all like $3 more than I expect every time I go anywhere. But it's like, so let's say it's $3 every time. I don't know why I'm making And it's Canadian money, Dan. So it's oh, probably, it's probably like $4. $15. Oh yeah. It's a little, it's a little different, but, um, so yeah, I think maybe you could go and even so let's say it's $5 every time. That's like a thousand meals. <laughs> I mean, that's, oh my gosh. I mean, it's a lot of subway. 
Dan, you're presupposing these people are eating alone. Like, I, I'm going to bring yeah. a date. I'm going to impress my date. It's like, honey, you can get anything you want on the menu because I've got the, the Subway extras. Black card. <laughs> you can add bacon for a dollar. or whatever. You can have double meat if you want. Big spender. <laughs> oh, my. You know, I was shocked. I was like, you know, um, this is between. I thought the first leg was a special thing for the first leg with the trip to Hollywood and Marshalls and everything. Then I got this. And I'm like, is this going to be this way the whole time? Like, okay, this is how they have to do so many sponsorship tasks because they're giving away all these prizes. This is crazy. I don't hate it. I, no, I love it. <laughs> I, I think if you want to sponsor something, sponsor the prize because people will get excited about that no matter what it is. Yeah. So real quick, I should mention that Catherine and Craig were fifth. Cedric and Deshaun sixth. I'm sensing a trend here. Dennis and Darrell seventh. Catherine and eighth. All members of Team Dan going five through eight. But hey. Mm-hmm. Court and Allie, who I know we only briefly mentioned this, but we're last. Um, we're per- we didn't mention that they struggled a lot on the goats and unfortunately were, but they chose the right lane to struggle. And I just think they had a mental block about um, it was hard to find the goats. And I'm sure it was very tiring because they said they were there for multiple hours. Yeah, um, I, I think at one point we did hear that it was like two hours there. So yeah, that that's a lot. It, it is a lot to be around goats for sure um, they did not questions? goat this yeah let's go I, don't, questions. I don't mean to, to blow through because they're still on the race i don't feel like we have to spend as much time there because they right. are still racing and i assume for good chance they could be fine yeah so. we're not gonna we're not gonna we're not gonna start like encroaching on david bloomberg's territory talking about why blank lost because nobody lost this week nope nope they were a little bit behind and they're still in it so we already mentioned several questions so um <laughs> I don't know. John Johnston asked if I knew my math, if we knew our math average when I in school. Um, I was pretty good at math, Jess. Um, it was actually, um, I don't know if it was 99, but I think it was pretty good. Um, how was your math average? I mean, I got A's in math, but, and, you know, I took up through AP Calc, but I, I don't know. I wasn't amazing at math. I was just like, you know, baseline competent at math. I think yeah, that was actually, I didn't get a number. You know, when I went to private school, didn't get a number. I think I actually got baseline competent. Oh, so yeah, we had grades. Um, and I did pretty well, but there was a point when it got to like geometry, when it wasn't just numbers, it was like shapes and things. Oh, no, not my thing. That is why I'm not a mathematician <laughs> right now is that it was geometry and maybe a little calculus, but enough about me. And then John mentioned something we haven't talked about because literally it was 30 seconds. But there was this moment when we thought three teams were going to form an alliance, which maybe will come again, which was Catherine and Craig, Cord and Allie, and I don't know, Frank and Nella. Yeah, for now. And um, yeah, and they never, it never came again. I don't know if, um, you know, John mentioned if it makes us feel sour because of the whole mind five. I don't think anything like that would happen on this show just because I feel like if they did, I don't believe the editing would um, hammer us over the head like it did in U.S. season 32. Yeah, not to mention, Dan, I think you and I don't have any residual saltiness about the Mind 5. No, and James, speaking of the challenge, James, like I said, um, killing it. You know, all three Amazing Race people are doing well. And um, again, you can see I just watched the challenge yesterday, so it's on the brain. (laughs) But the three Amazing Race are doing well, and I'm enjoying him on that show because, again, it's like you're really seeing that... um, they were really smart that season, and it was it was hardly just like oh that alliance that carried them and then they won like um, smart reality TV people I will say 
I mean, he's a student of the game. You know, yeah. he's a super fan that actually took the lessons and applied them. Um, and I will say, uh, two seasons in a row on U.S. Amazing Race, uh, I happen to know that one of the studied materials that the winning team used was RHAP. So, you know, future Amazing Race contestants, consider it. It's just something to think about. Especially the Amazing Race Canada episodes. Yes, yeah. because I, I think we are we are doing really good work here, Dan, at breaking down the best ways to get past just about anything on Amazing Race Canada. Um, except sometimes, you know, we don't understand the Canadian reference of it all. Not this yes. week, though. This week I was I was golden. Um, so can I talk one more minute about the Prince of Wales Hotel? Yes. So Waterton National Park is... Um, Waterton Lakes National Park is on the border between Canada and the U.S. And it is like if you cross over the border, you are suddenly you are in Glacier National Park in Montana in the U.S. And that's where I went basically every summer vacation throughout my entire childhood. And throughout Glacier and Waterton, there are these lodges of which Prince of Wales is one. And they are just these like really fabulous historic buildings that... um Actually, the interiors are not as luxurious as you might think, but they're just like architecturally, they're so interesting and they're all designed, of course, to maximize the views and to blend in with the surroundings. And I have not stayed in any of them, but the number one one I would want to stay in is this one. Like, It looks like a giant cuckoo clock and it is just it's just fantastic to look at. And I hope that at some point in my life, I will get to actually stay there. Yeah, Glacier Bay is a place that I really want to go. And if you know, and I'm Glacier just Bay because... is Alaska. Glacier is Montana. Oh, I'm actually going. <laughs> I to... also want to go there too. I'm going to Glacier Bay this summer. So, <laughs> no, but that is something that's also on the list. Yes, but, um, yes, um, that's totally what I meant when I said Glacier Bay. I just wanted us to talk about Alaska. Yeah, there are no not... bays in Montana. <laughs> Glacier. Oh, I was so close to the end without feeling like I was making a big mistake, but I'm sure there were others. <laughs> Many others <laughs> earlier. Yes. <laughs> oh, boy. This is what happens when we record later in the evening. But yes, it it looks amazing. And I'm glad you got to go there so much. And um, having seen this, I'm just like, man, there's a lot of places I need to go. Yeah, I did stay in one of the sh- there's a chalet that you have to hike into. Um, It's like a it's like a 10 mile hike in you stay overnight at this chalet and then you hike out the other way like four miles the next day and that one was very rustic but very very cool um so i someday like when i have a lot of money and i feel like going back to montana a lot i will probably have like my little um, glacier waterton bingo card and try to stay at all of them (laughs) then you'll just make the drive over to left bridge and um revisit you know this great virtual reality spot which i'm sure will still be there Take my kid to Fort Whoop Up. Yeah, that looked fun. I yeah, like that. Totally. That looked good. Um, but all right. Any other questions or things we need to talk about? Um, I think we've gone through just about everything that we need to go through here, Dan. I think the only thing left to do is to kind of plug our stuff and um, give people give people a list of things that we would like them to do. Yes. Well, for me, I host the theme park podcast. Speaking of theme parks. Don't take me not being to Disney Quest. I do know a lot of things, but a show called the Tomorrow's Nighty Podcast. Um, it's I do interviews with uh, people that work behind the scenes, also the trip reports. So tomorrowsnighty.com. And also you can find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever. It's a lot of fun. I would love for you to check it out. 
Can we do a special episode about Disney Quest sometime, Dan? We could if you've got enough, because I'm going to basically just be really like, so um, how is the Pirates of the Caribbean virtual thing? What about Space Mountain virtual? And just like reading off the list and asking you. But yeah, I it mean, would be fun. A lot of the stuff, like I didn't go, I went towards the like twilight of its, you know, of, of its tenure, but I have a lot of thoughts on it and a lot of things that I I, you know, I know what they could do with that building. I, I have ideas. So, yeah, we that should would do be really sometime. fun. I think post Amazing Race Canada, that might be a, I'm always looking for episodes. We'll all have a dearth right now. So that would be good. Yeah. Put it on the <laughs> list for sure. All right. And so there's plenty of great stuff going on over at the Rob has a podcast network. Um, there is coverage of just about every reality show you can think of nowadays. So it's either on the main feed, uh, things that feature Rob, the kind of the flagship shows are on the main feed, and then there's the reality TV wrap-ups, which may be how you're hearing this very podcast right now that contains uh, all sorts of other incredible programming. Uh, of course, Big Brother's going on right now. The Challenge is going on right now. And then plenty of additional content in your ear holes every week, uh, robispodcast.com. You can also support us on Patreon, uh, robispodcast.com slash Patreon. And that takes you to a whole host of additional content. You've got extra podcasts in your feed. You've got a patron-only Facebook group. You've got merch discounts. You have special access to live events. It is all happening, um, and it helps us keep the lights on, and we're always very appreciative of that. So... We also, the thing we appreciate even more than that is your feedback. So we love getting questions every week in the Facebook group. Dan posts a call for questions and you can hit us up there if you are a patron or you can just hit us up on Twitter. You can tweet at me at Haymaker Hattie. You can tweet at Dan at the Dan Heaton. Tweet at both of us because we would both like to respond to you. And if you are watching the show in real time and things occur to you, you know we're not watching it in real time, but that shouldn't stop you just Go right ahead and send us your questions as they as you think of them. Being spoiled on a show that airs in a different country is an occupational hazard for us, and we are happy to get your feedback no matter how you bring it in. You can also rate and review us in iTunes or on the podcatcher of your choice. Like and subscribe, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We love getting your positive feedback. We love getting your constructive criticism. We love just hearing from you to say hi. So just tweet at us and say hi. We like that too. All right. I think that brings us to the end of our show. Dan, is there anything else you want to tell the nice people? No, it was fun to watch the show. And like I said, always great to hear from you. Don't wait for me. Just send us stuff about the show. Um, it's it's a blast to do these podcasts and um, a lot of fun to talk with you as always, Just. Yeah, likewise, Dan. Um, thank you very much for being here with me. Um, thanks to Rob for continuing to let us do this. Thanks to everybody behind the scenes. Uh, Tricky, Scott, Hannah, Chelsea, everybody else who helps make this podcast possible. And thanks, of course, to you, the listeners. We will see you next week. <laughs>